Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. We can't speak of the life we have in Jesus until we grapple with how it came to us. Through his death and resurrection, this series will focus on four times, four times that Jesus pointed his disciples to the necessity of his death on the cross. Jesus points his disciples to the need for his death. So let's talk a little bit about Lent as we get in. Lent is a season on the Christian calendar that, uh, that lasts 40 days and begins with what's called Ash Wednesday. Those of you who come out of the Catholic tradition, you know what Ash Wednesday is. Those of you who are more uh, like me, probably like, well, Ash Wednesday, what's that? I've never done that before. So that's kind of neat. But it's Ash, it starts on Ash Wednesday, okay? Um, and it concludes on Easter Sunday. So today on the calendar is the third Sunday of Lent, okay? People have been celebrating and other, other traditions have been celebrating Lent for, for, this is the third Sunday. So in this series, we're going to be using some of the scriptures that churches all over the world from many different denominations and traditions will be using. And I think this is neat. So we can, with one accord, be studying and learning what it means to be redeemed by the suffering of Jesus Christ. So there's going to be churches that are Orthodox churches. There's going to be Catholic churches. There's going to be uh, Baptist churches. There's going to be all different types of churches. And because of the church calendar, unifying the scriptures, we're all going to be studying similar things. I think that's neat. I think it's just really neat. And I, in addition to this, I'm, every day, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a daily thing that goes along with Lent, too, a series of scriptures and meditations that go along with each day of the season of Lent. So I'm going to be putting a link on our Facebook page every single day till Easter that gives you those scriptures so that you can click on that and you'll go right to the scriptures and everybody that is being like serious about the Lent, Lenten season will be reading the same stuff on the same day as you. All over the world. I think that's pretty cool. So take advantage of that if you'd like to. Um, to, to me, this is like an exciting thing. Why? It connects us with the global church and helps us to focus on what we have in common rather than what we disagree on. There's so much division in the church because there's these little doctrinal things that we disagree on. When there's like buckets of commonality, yet we silo around the differences rather than the commonality. Does that make sense? So this is what we're doing. So for today's message, the first week of this series, the big idea is this. Jesus called his disciples to accept that his death was necessary. And its purpose was to redeem all humanity. So the title of today's message is this. The cross was not plan B. The cross was not, not plan B. Open your Bibles or look on the wall, it's up to you, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and... In Ephesians chapter 1, 
we hear a teaching that is very important to our understanding of the cross. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven. How? In Christ. What Darwin was talking about this morning, every spiritual blessing, he blessed us with those things through Christ. Now listen to this. For he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Before, I want you to keep that in your mind. Before the foundations of the world, to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to his good pleasure. So before the foundations of the world, it was his good pleasure to redeem you. Think about that. Oh, that'll preach. And in fact, it just did. Even before the foundations of the world, according to his good pleasure. The pleasure of his will. To the praise of his glory, glorious grace that he lavished on the beloved one. Who is that beloved one? That's Jesus. In him we have, what do we have? Redemption. How? Through his blood. Redemption through his blood. And what else do we have? The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. I want to give you a little word here today. Mystery. Other disciplines of the Christianity, other traditions, deal with the mysteries of faith far better than we do. We're so pragmatic. We want to have, we want to have textual and, and archaeological evidence that Jesus was alive and then he did this and that and blah, blah, blah. When other, other traditions go, it's just a mystery of faith. If your mind has a hard time getting around this, I'm going to tell you why it's important to be okay with some mysteries of faith. You will never fathom eternity. You will never fathom the beginning of something like earth. You will never fathom the mind of God. You can't do it. It's impossible. So it has to be left to a mystical place of, I just, it's, it's written in here, I don't get it. How can God, before the foundations of the world, see little old me and think I'm worth it? It's a mystery to me, but it's a good mystery. It's a beautiful mystery. In Mark, whoa, I just lost my notes. In Mark, chapter 8, it'll be up here too. Jesus calls his disciples to comprehend the intent of his coming. He says, I want you to, hey, hey guys, focus up. That's what he's saying. Guys, focus up. I want you to understand this. I want you to start, try to get your brain around this. In Mark 8, 31 through 33, it says this. Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man. Now, I want you to remember the words, Son of Man. They're important in our study today. Son of Man. To suffer many things and to be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, be killed, 
and rise after three days. He spoke openly with them. So he's teaching them this. He's like, listen, guys, this is going to happen, and it's okay. It's not plan B. This has always been the plan. Okay, this is how it, this is how it has to happen. He goes, I know you're expecting something else, but this is okay. Don't, don't let your heart be troubled. I, we, I still got this. Because after all that bad stuff, there's the resurrection. Verse 33, uh, excuse me, end of verse 32. He spoke to him about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Yikes. I'm going to tell you something this. When you tell God that his plan is wrong, you are speaking in the spirit of the adversary. This concept, if you go against God's will, then you are speaking like the enemy, the adversary, right? You are, you're taking on that role. And Jesus says, man, get behind me, Satan. You do not understand what I'm doing. So he says this, get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Walter W. Wessel, in his commentary on the uh, Gospel of Mark, says this. Jesus now spoke plainly about his suffering role as Son of God and Messiah. Before he had veiled it, the message got through to Peter, but he refused to accept it. Peter had the greatest difficulty in conceiving of a messiahship in any other than the popular theological political category. A suffering messiah? Unthinkable. The Messiah was a symbol of strength, not weakness. So Peter took Jesus aside and amazingly rebuked him. Now listen to this. The word translated rebuke here, pitameo, is the same one used for the silencing of demons. Peter rebukes Jesus in that fashion. Like, be quiet. Don't say that. And what does Jesus do? Turns him around and says, I rebuke you. Get behind me, Satan. Okay, Matthew 20, 26 to 28 says, Whoever wants to become a great among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave. Now watch this. As the Son of Man, remember that word that I wanted you to remember? Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Many. That's why he came. And if you, if you cross-reference that with Mark and Ephesians, you're going to get a, a, a picture of this. That's why he came, and it was always the plan before the foundations of the world. That was the plan. Wessel goes on to explain, Son of Man is by far the favorite expression Jesus uses in the Gospels to refer to himself. It occurs 81 times, and no one else, neither his friends nor his foe, refer to Jesus as the Son of Man. So what is Jesus referring to when he calls himself the Son of Man? Well, Old Testament 
verses like Daniel 7 throw some light on it, on his New Testament usage. Daniel 7, 13-14 says this. I continued watching in the night vision, and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was, was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. You know what everlasting dominion is? It's forever. That will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. When Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, he's saying, yeah, that's me. So that guy, the guy whose dominion, power, kingdom, and everything, he goes, that guy, that son of man, has to lay down his life for you. And it's okay, because that's always been the plan. We are the reason for his sacrifice. We always have been. Even before he created us, he knew that he would need to redeem us. And you might say, then why did he create us? Why would he create us? Let me just bend your mind just a little bit here. If you're an eternal being and you want to create something that you can have a relationship with, a true relationship with, you have to go into it with the understanding that you cannot be, manipulate that relationship. You have to be, create an entity that is able to make a choice for or against you. And if, you're, if, if that entity is holy and just and completely God, then that God needs to create a being with free will to reject while also giving them an opportunity to restore that. So before the foundations of the world, he said, I'm going to make people. I know that they're not all going to serve me. I, I know all of them are going to find, find their way into sin, but I'm going to give them a way to come to me. The only way I can do that is through a redemptive process. So what does that say to you today? I hope it says this to you. He thought you were worth it. Everything we talk about at Easter this season, everything we talk about, the, 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 the beatings and the crucifixions and all the, 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 the hard stuff, he's like, I'm good with it. They're worth it. You're worth it. Even I. I know, right? Worth it. That's a phenomenal place to be. We can't consider the death of Jesus without accepting that our need was the reason for it. It's a good thing to think about. Your need was the reason for his sacrifice. And he made you anyway. He said before you were, before humanity was conceived in his mind, he said, That's, this is worth it. This is going to be worth it. I'll do that. It's worth it. This is how much he loved the mere thought of you. You were nothing but a thought in God's mind, and you were worth it then. He conceived and pursued this relationship, fully knowing 
what, it was, that he, what he was creating and thought the idea of you was worth every second of suffering he endured. The death of Jesus is an act of obedience, not of negligence or misguided under, uh, understanding, some kind of plan B. It's not a plan B. It's not, see, sometimes we think of like our redemption as like the plan B for a failed experiment. Did you, did you ever get that thought, well, it would have been perfect in the garden, but we screwed it up, so God had to figure it out. It's not how it was. That's not how it was. We, we often get that. Has anybody else ever felt that way? Like, yeah, the scriptures starts out with us messing up, so God had to figure it out, and he took the entire Old Testament. To, hmm, what can we do? We can give prophets. That didn't work. We can do a flood thing. That's fine. Did that already. Hmm, maybe capture in Babylon will wake him up. No, that didn't work. Oh, maybe, hey, why don't you go down? Maybe that one will work. Like, it's like throwing darts at a dartboard of, of fixes to your, our sinful condition. That's not how it was. Scriptures are clear. It's, it's always been the plan. And our frailty and our ability to choose has always been built into the process. The, the whole, that's the whole point. I mean, you can, especially today and age, I mean, you can build a robot and you could program it to tell you I love you every five minutes of your day. I could probably get my watch to do that. Hey, Siri, set a reminder to tell me that you love me. She's not listening. Okay. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, everybody's Siri just popped up. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You see what I'm saying? We could do that. But does that entity love? No. And it's the same thing with, with God creating humanity. He couldn't have programmed into it or it wouldn't have been love. We had to be able to reject. Moving on. The key to this recognizing that Jesus chose to die. It's, it's key to understanding that Jesus chose to die. Remember he said, no one takes my life. Are you kidding me? I'm laying it down. I've always been laying it down. He exercised both divine and human free will to go to the cross. Yet the point of decision was not in the Garden of Gethsemane, but eons before. Before anything was, God chose to redeem on a cross of execution. You're like, why that? I don't know. I'm sure there's some lofty theological reason as to why. I can probably start piecing it together in my mind. But some things are just like, this is what God knew had to happen. So he did it. It's a mystery to faith. We don't always have to understand everything to get the benefit of that thing. This is, the, uh, this is hard for our finite minds to wrap our brains around. But it is, the breathtaking, it is breathtaking when we accept it as the truth. Jesus died for me. God loves me. God desires a relationship with me. He did the cosmic calculus and in his infinite mind made a decision. God knew he would have to redeem me and he made me anyway. 
It's a mystery. And I don't understand it fully. But man, I'm going to accept it. And live in it. Isaiah 55. We're going to flip this a little bit. I want to read the latter part and then go back to the beginning part. Verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my way, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Back to verse 6. This is the point. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous, their thoughts, come to God. Let them forsake their ways. The wicked forsake. He knew you were going to be wicked. Deal with it. You're not surprising him. He's like, yeah, I knew. I knew that. Come to him. Make that choice to move into his space. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous, their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. That was the whole point. That he would freely pardon. It's not like, oh, you did that bad, like a, like a, like a judge nowadays, like when we, we go to court and the judge has to be given all the information as to what you did. And he's sitting there like, whoa, this guy's bad. And then he has to make a decision, I'm going to pardon this guy or not. That's not how it was. He's like, no, your badness was always an option. I always knew I was going to have to take care of the badness of this world, in the world, in you. And I was good with that because I was good with giving my own son to do that because you are worth it. God, I think it's hard for us to think of an infinite God and then think of ourselves. And you get these phrases, you know, if you were the only one created, God would have gone to the cross for you. Now that's true, but that's a little flippant. In the infinite mind of God, you existed. He saw you. It's, it's, it's something we can't put our minds around, but he cared enough for you to create you, knowing that you would at some point, in some level, reject him, only for the, for the opportunity to get you back to have a real, true love relationship uh, between God and human beings. That's how it had to happen, and he thought you were worth it. I want you to go into this week with that, with that assurance. I want you to know that. What are you struggling with? God knows what you're struggling with. He says, bring it to me. I'm not scared of it. I fully knew that this was going to happen, and I created you anyway. So go ahead, go ahead, try to hide your sin from God. You know, there's a famous statement, you know, I'd go to church, but if I went in that building, the ceiling would fall in. What? That's a weird statement. Did you realize the church was created for you? You can't hide your sin from God. The church was created for, as a dragnet to get you in. Do you know that's why we put crosses up? It's not a relic or a symbol that we bow to. It's a beacon saying, please come, please come. Please come to Christ. 
This is why I came. This is why I died. I knew who you were. I knew what you, I know what you've done. Come to me. It's a, it's a, it's a spotlight. It's for, it's for the sinner. And I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. <laughs> Aside from Christ, there ain't no saints in this room. There's nobody who came in here like, I'm good. <laughs> no, we all need it. We all need that beacon. We all need that lighthouse. God saw me in the, in the infinite space of his mind. I don't know how it works. I don't know how an eternal God works like that. But he saw me. And he said, you know what? Davy boy's worth it. That's what God talks to me, by the way. Davy's worth it. I'm going to go to the cross for him. Fill your name in the blank. He saw you. I said, man, so-and-so's worth it. I'm going to go to the cross for them. Lord, we thank you for your great mercy and kindness and unfailing love. Lord, we don't get it all. It is a mystery to some degree. We don't understand how you could have all of us in your mind. But that's what scripture talks about. And Lord, this has always been the plan <laughs> to create beings that had the potential to actually love. So Lord, you made a way. And it sounds like probably that was the only way. Because if it had any other way, I think they're probably, that's what you would have done. But this was the way. It always has been and always will be the way. And you laid it out for us, and it cost you a lot, and you said it's worth it. Because I love people. Not just people in general, but I love filling your name. So, Lord, we praise you today. We thank you. We've followed your spirit into the information, now we just got to make it our own. Make the God our God and fulfill the purpose for our existence. So God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just give you an opportunity. If you, if something in this service, the Holy Spirit was able to tap you on the shoulder and say, yeah, I'm talking about you. I have loved you with an everlasting love and I want you to know it and I want you to respond to it. If that's you this morning and you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, applied that redemptive sacrifice to your own life. You've never done it before. And we're gonna get, another, we're gonna get to another uh, call in a second. But if you've never done that before and you wanna do that today, would you just slip your hand up today? Just slip your hand up. Nobody's gonna be checking you out and say, oh, look at that sinner. We're all in the same boat. If that's you today, just slip your hand up. Okay. Now for the rest of you, listen to me very carefully. Keep your head bowed, eyes closed. If that realization of how valuable you are to God has been lost on you, and you have this self-loathing or concept of worthlessness, I want you to let it go today. 
You are more than a conqueror through faith in Christ Jesus. He gave his life so you could have life. He loves you before the foundation of the world and said you're worth it. I want you to respond to that today. And I want you to just meditate on that concept. And I want you to live it this week. It's so important. It takes us from a place of a victim to a place of victory. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters today. Lord, I pray we would go out of this place in a spirit of victory, <laughs> in the spirit of knowing that we are beloved children and that you created the only way for our salvation and we are going to walk in it. We're going to walk in it when we go to bed at night. We're going to walk in it when we get out of bed. We're going to walk in it when we go to our jobs, when we go to school. We're going to walk in it when we come up against difficult things. We're going to give it to you. We're going to walk in it. Every season of this life and we'll be thankful for it in Jesus powerful name the name that is above all names the eternal redeemer we pray these things amen amen God bless have a phenomenal phenomenal week go with God and go with this message in your heart